We're doing our second podcast from the cabin with our second very special guest, which is our friend Joe. Hello, and thank you for having me. This is this is your first foray into podcasting. This is my first ever podcast. Nice. We so, got the exclusive. Welcome to the stage, Joe Hunt. We're excited to have him and have a little chat about life in general. Yeah, we're going to talk about some stuff that I researched on the changing of generations of our values and how we choose to spend our time um, as opposed to other generations and kind of how that applies to Joe's life because he's kind of chosen a non-traditional path. Joe's been one of the many references to that cool friend we have who's doing that cool thing. <laughs> I don't know if path would be the right word to describe it. It's, <laughs> it's just more like a wandering, <laughs> <laughs> cutting through the rainforest. Yeah, there's no path. <laughs> I wish I could find that path. <laughs> He's leaving a path behind him, at least. <laughs> the wake of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're maybe feeling restless or you just want to know what other ways of living are out there, this is a really cool insight on kind of the different ways millennials are living. Times do be changing. I'm Emma. I'm Ian. And this is our podcast, Nobody's Talking About Everything, Solving Nothing. If we get lucky, we might solve something. I always had that same background for... Since 2011. What are those things? Sloths. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Did you know that the average American worker puts in 260 more hours a year than the average British worker and 499 hours more than most French citizens? That's that pretty crazy. Huge difference. Yeah. I, I think that the... The average hours of work per year for an American is something like 1,800 or what is it? it Oh, I know it's like 41 a week. So times 52. So that'd be over 2,000. Yeah. I used to think that the uh, French were just uptight assholes, but apparently they're just... They know how to do it. Just big chilling. They're just confident because they know they got it right. Apparently. And then we just like annoy them because we're in Paris just like... Look at this tower. <laughs> We're taking our one vacation a year. Right, compared to <laughs> Okay, about 68% of tiny house owners are mortgage-free compared to just 30% of all U.S. homeowners. That's pretty cool. Huge discrepancy. Would you ever get a tiny house? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Tinier the better. <laughs> Tinier the better. Less stuff to worry about. <laughs> it's just like you're sleeping standing up. <laughs> It's like a little outhouse that you go yeah, stand yeah. in during the rain. You have to shit where you eat. <laughs> is there enough space on our land? Can we just like plug Joe into our house? Probably, yeah. Yeah. The garage is totally free. I mean, we have a small garage rent, but we got to charge. With 50 bucks a month? It doesn't have electricity or heat. Electricity, heat, or plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything fun in the garage? His bestest. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Not so funny. You like risk taking. <laughs> Over one third of the current workforce freelances, and it's predicted that the percentage of remote workers could increase to 50% by the year 2025. Interesting. Does freelance just mean work from home or does freelance mean... No, I think freelance means that you're like an independent... worker? Yeah. Yeah, Your own business kind of? Yeah. I think that that's a really cool thing, but pros and cons because... They kind of get screwed on benefits and stuff. Yeah, I wonder what percentage of the people out there who are freelancing are also working normal... uh, Yeah, they're doing it in addition or something. Right. But yeah, I think... Working remote is awesome. It gives you a lot more freedom. What I saw when I was researching these facts is that a lot of millennials are doing like online work and then they're living all across the world and just traveling around doing that. Yeah, I got something done on Fiverr recently, which is like a cool app where you can pay people to do different services. And we paid somebody to do like a band logo for us and they lived in like Bangladesh or something. Which we're probably going to do one for our podcast soon. Get some stickers, get a logo. Mm -hmm. Merch. Yeah. Yeah. 
right now with that that pink tree is pretty cool but that's one of the random like stock stickers that they had for options yeah i was wondering where that image came from mm-hmm. i do dig it yeah maybe we just get like a different pink tree i like the pink tree that could be good keep the pink tree i think findings showed that 34 percent of millennials don't identify with a religion millennials are more likely to not have a religion than to be christian nice that's pretty cool that's encouraging Mm-hmm. For those of you listening at home, there is the cutest dog in the world. Yeah. <laughs> the most adorable little puppy. She's been a wonderful companion this weekend, going on long hikes, even though she's very young. Well, they're more like sprints for her. I just feel like we're the best of friends already, even. I would agree. Overall, U.S. beer sales went down 1% in recent years, but craft beer sales grow at a rate of 4%. So we got some pros and cons here. We got less beer overall. I don't know. Maybe they're just drinking like hard seltzers instead. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> but people are wanting to buy from smaller businesses. So that's good. I'm kind of surprised to hear that, honestly. I find that a lot of the millennials that I know, people my age, are switching from craft beer to Bush Light, Bud Light, just going the cheap hmm. route. PBR has been popular. It's kind of over the whole phase of drinking weird beers. Yeah, mm-hmm. acid reflux and things. <laughs> really, who knows? Some of those sours are intense. <laughs> well, yeah, those beers have like 500 calories a lot of times, and they're right. like 8% alcohol or something. I definitely can say that the craft beer sale rate has been extremely high in Menominee. Growth rate, I should say. Mostly because there's just one brewery and we can easily tell that it's more popular every year mm-hmm. you also drink like a lot of water during the podcast or you can like hear his mouth his tongue is like a camel's tongue camels are amazing creatures yeah. did you know that they can drink 40 gallons of water at once when they go long periods without peeing you know because they can go a long time without water So then like in between those times without water, their pee obviously gets really nasty because it's not being hydrated. And at their worst, they can have pee that's the texture of syrup. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the gnarliest things I've heard in a while. (laughs) Putting gallons at once, huh? (laughs) Imagine like peeing syrup and then finally getting water and you drink 40 gallons. (laughs) Boy, that doesn't look so good. <laughs> and they drink it in like three minutes. They drink a lot. Well, Ian, you were just telling me today that you try to aim for one gallon of water per day. One gallon per day. Working your way up to camel mm. status. Will you develop pumps then too? He already started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's just like my natural hunchback. Oh, okay. All right. Now I have some facts that are about the family structure which maybe I kind of got too many facts, but I just thought it was really interesting. 55% of millennials live in a family unit consisting of a spouse and or child. This compares with 66% of Gen Xers at the same point in life. So we're down 11%. And 69% of boomers at the same age and 85% of the silent generation, which is most of our grandparents. Damn. Yeah. So from 85 to... 55 in just two generations percent living with their family. 55 even struck me as a bit high, I thought. We're kind of young millennials, though. That's a good point. Millennials are 25 to 39. Yeah. And it said spouse and or. And And or. or, So it could be either a spouse or child or both. Hmm. Only 44% of millennials are married. And at a similar time of life, there was 53% of Gen Xers, 61% of boomers, and 81% of silence. 81%. Yeah, so we're going from 81 to 44. <laughs> the marriage rate has been cut in half since 1968. That's crazy. So it made you think part of it has to do with how expensive it is to get married or how much money people typically I, spend on... I think it's just like a shifting cultural thing. Like I think it has to do with women's suffrage. Women aren't dependent on men, therefore they don't need to get married. Where in the past it was like, you were expected to get married or, you you know, God knows what would happen to you if you didn't have somebody to take care of you. Whereas now men and women are both highly independent, especially at our young ages. I also think a lot of it attributes to people being encouraged to like 
dream big is very yeah. much a, you know a huge American thing. If you if People, you tell somebody that you're going to get married young, they highly encourage you not to. They say you got to live before you get married, and that you won't be able to travel after you get married, and things like that. I think also job hopping is way 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 more common people used to have the same job for 40 years when they're old and then people also would get married it wasn't just that they would get married when they were our age when they were 27 they get married married when they're like 18 19 yeah i have clients who are in their 60s who were married when they were 17 wow yeah i don't think i was ready when i was 17 no definitely (laughs) i think it's a lot of shifting things a huge part of course like you said financial yeah financial um, suffrage and maybe cohabitation too and, and it's people just are just choosing to culturally acceptable yeah 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 mm-hmm. like you're not going to be looked down upon if you're quote living in sin you know <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> interestingly black millennials are half as likely as white millennials to be married hmm. so hmm. that's an interesting fact i would never guess that yeah 12 percent of millennials were living with an unmarried partner Higher than the share of Gen Xers, which is 8%, who are cohabitating. Hmm. A lot of sinners out there. <laughs> well, we, you had that just mentioned the, uh, the straying away from uh, religion to yeah. before that. Mm-hmm. So that oh, checks out. And yeah, like we said, it seems like parents are putting a lot less pressure, if not promoting that you get married later, that you should do a lot of stuff. I, mean, I don't know if it's because like they regretted not being able to do that fun stuff. Which is good. I mean, like, it's good to do that. But also, I think marriage shouldn't be like a death sentence. Like, I feel like you can still, if you have a good marriage, you can still travel and do everything that you want. 13% of millennial marriages include spouses of differing racial backgrounds. This is significantly higher than the share of Gen X marriages that were multiracial, which was 9%. So we're going from 9% to 13% in just 10 years. It's a 50% increase. Yeah. Quick math. Millennials are more educated than previous generations as young adults, and they're more likely to be married to someone who shares their educational credentials. Among married millennials with a bachelor's degree or more, 75% are married to another college graduate. Only 1% of millennials with a college degree married someone with less than a high school education. Whereas back in the day... Again, because of suffrage, educated men were marrying women that were uneducated. And now people are like meeting in college, they're meeting at work, you know, they're not meeting their wife at the high school dance. They're meeting like a equal education wise and class wise and things like that. Especially if they're meeting later on. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. Then folks in the, uh, in the older generations might be more likely to be meeting people who are in a similar job field or have similar interests, which kind of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And this goes along with what I previously said, but I found it so interesting. College-educated millennial women are less likely to have a spouse with a college degree than their male counterparts. For women, it's 70%, and for men, it's 82%. Hmm. So 70% of college-educated millennial women have a spouse that also has a college degree, whereas for men, it's higher. It's 82%. This is partially because women are graduating from college at higher rates now than men by like, I can't remember how much it was, like 7%, which is pretty significant. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think women are like 56% of college graduates, which is like, you know, then men is 44. Like that's really significant, but women still get paid a lot less. So that's not good. 55% of all millennial women aged 22 to 37 have had a baby, smaller than the shares of previous generations of women who had given birth at a comparable age. For Gen X, it was 62%. For boomers, it was 64%. So we went from 64 to 55 in one generation of women having babies. Yeah, 22 to 37, only 55% of women have had a baby. It's crazy. In 2015, when the oldest millennial was 34, the mean age for mothers was 26, up from 22 in 1980. Oh, wow. Yeah, four years different. 22, that's so young. 22 being the average. Yeah. Of millennial women that are having children, they are not having any less children. 
the average has remained around 2.05 children for the last like 50 years. Hmm, that seems low. Yeah, that surprised me. Like, wouldn't you think that boomers were having more kids? Yeah. Yeah, not what I saw. I think it's just like, obviously, more boomers had kids, like more people had kids, mm-hmm. but the average is the same. Hmm. Yeah. 33% of millennial moms are unmarried. Compare that to 9% of the silent generation in 1968. That's a massive jump. Yeah, that's crazy. In 1967, only 44% of households with a married couple and at least one child had two working parents. Wow. Yeah. I wonder what that is now. I don't know. Quite high. It's gotta be. But women still stay home with the babies a lot more than men obviously do. So it's pretty crazy how much things are changing with the new generation. I've sometimes said that I can't wait until I'm like an old kook. I like, I hope that I have similar thoughts that I do now and I'm just considered like the far right. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. would be, I mean, I'll probably because change a little bit, but. Right now there's very little that ends up being like too liberal for us. <laughs> yeah, I hope so to be waiting, like moderate. <laughs> so we're waiting for something that we're just like, I don't know about that. Universal diapers. Okay, <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> that will not be the first thing that throws me off. <laughs> so speaking of changing values, when you think about like, lifestyle values and like living and jobs and things like how do you feel like your values maybe changed over time like where they started and where they might be now and that's a really big question that i didn't Mm. prepare you for i love the question i think uh, a lot of it for me stems primarily from thoughts about trying to be um less wasteful more free and more at peace and wasteful meaning mostly uh, environmental impact and i've found that a, a life that's more simple and and minimalist minimalist yeah. lifestyle right can be very satisfying because uh you know as you guys had mentioned in in one of your prior episodes about leaving a, a wake of things behind uh that we we use and it just I sort of realized over the past uh, five six years that it uh, it it's possible to live with less and and it's spend actually less. way more it's, fun. It's fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah. It's an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes you feel that sense of pride, right? In what you're choosing. Exactly, and I mean, it might. I think about what would people who will walk the earth in a hundred years or 200 years, what would they have wanted people in our position to be doing yeah. with our time? I try to think about like, if everybody in the world lived like me, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Mm. You know, cause we all kind of think like, Oh, it's just one, this, just one, that I'm just, you know, throwing away that doesn't matter, but we all have just as much impact as the next person. And I think it's kind of hypocritical if you do something that you wouldn't want everyone to do because you're holding other people to a standard that you're not upholding. So if you kind of lead by example and do your own part, then that's very empowering and promoting what you think is right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I guess it is you know, important for me to try to show with all my actions what I believe, right? And I mean, I think... Uh, a big part of it too, uh, Ian, to your original question, is that it became too stressful to, for me to try to continue running the rat race uh, and focusing on getting more and more. And so I started focusing on trying to have less and less, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I wonder when you graduated college, like how did you see your life unfolding versus like now? Like how do you see your future now versus how you saw it five years ago. Hmm. I think I think about it a lot less now. Mm-hmm. I think about my future a lot less now. But that's maybe I... <laughs> because you were enjoying life less then, which makes you have to think about the future because it's uh, the only uh, like form of enjoyment. I hope that's what it was. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of people, you know, when you have a really monotonous job and maybe you don't like your job or and you're working a lot of hours, 
you have to really look forward to retirement and your one or two vacations a year because that's like all you have or, or you know, you're really living for the weekend mm. and you're kind of wishing away those work days. And if every day is how you want it to be, then you're more focused on now than the future. I think I heard it said that you should try to build a life that you don't need to take a vacation from. Yeah, that's how I feel. I When Ian has time off, I just want to be at home. What we do on a normal day is everything that we love to do. And it's just, we just want more time of that. Just existing at home. Everything we do inside of our house is mm-hmm. like our favorite stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Like and in our like slightly community. outside of our house <laughs> at the lighthouse and things like that. But at the rec center. Yeah. I admire that. I think it's cool to uh, think about lives as, as a lot more uh, compact and, yeah. and uh, I don't know if organized would be the right word, but just um, local. Yeah. Uh, that is something I haven't experienced to a super high degree yet. It's, I've kind of been a little bit more uh, transient, I suppose. in Having like roots and stuff. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people focus on when you're working a lot, they focus on trying to make the best parts of their life better. For example, like, you know, having a really awesome boat that you use a few times a year. Or your one vacation a year is to an all-inclusive resort that's super expensive. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing. It's indulgent. It's, you know, you only get to go out to a really nice dinner not very often, you know, you get your babysitter not very often and you go and you have a really expensive, fancy meal. Indulgent, whereas I think if you spend your time and energy on raising up the bottom and making your average day better versus just your kind of one-off parts of the year, it makes your normal day so much better. And that made me think too that it's just, I guess it's very important to me to have time to spend with with friends and with with family and loved ones etc and time to do uh the things that i want to do and if i can't necessarily monetize all the time that i'm wanting to spend uh that's not a huge uh, issue right i mean Mm -hmm. trying to live if you can try to live with less uh frees up more time to do things that are fun and inexpensive and fulfilling Mm -hmm. and uh then maybe you end up with uh, with friends with boats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what ends you up at the cabin on a Monday and Tuesday with right. us. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Happy I'm, Monday. <laughs> I'd much rather be in this cabin than on a boat. Yeah. Mm. Depends on the boat, perhaps. <laughs> Depends on the boat. That's very true. That is like a yacht. Right by our house, that's yeah. like huge and we never see it go out ever (laughs) we never see anyone on it yeah and we kind of always joke about that boat because like it's very common for all those boat owners to like hang out on their boat like in the summer like they'll have parties out there they'll have they'll just sit out there and drink or you know just sit and watch the sunset in their dinghy they have a little boat on their boat and they'll just drive around in that in the marina. It's like taking laps to wave to all the people. Yeah. And like uh, on a nice <laughs> summer day, we'll see dozens of people out there and there's no one ever on the yacht. And we're always like, oh, that guy's at work. <laughs> He's working for this right yeah. now. He's working so that his yacht can sit here. <laughs> well, it's expensive to park those, I imagine. <laughs> now, there, there are people with, uh, with houseboats too. And that, that's an intriguing uh, idea to me that I think it sounds quite fun to uh you know I was in I was in uh, in Bath in England once and there's there's a uh, this river that I was biking along and these people live on these long ships on this river and they're they're all sitting out just uh I think it was a, a Tuesday afternoon sitting out by their boats and just uh chatting and enjoying the day and I, I was uh Happy to see, you know, people who have decided to live uh, simply in that way and free up their time for relaxing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of places in the world where you can live extremely cheaply. Rivers. Rivers. (laughs) Rivers, cheap real estate. (laughs) Great answer. (laughs) (laughs) Remind me of the question once more. (laughs) Good question. You mentioned 
thinking about the future, do you have a future vision or like goals? Or even just like how you want your life to be. Not even, oh, I want to live here and, you know, work at this job and things like that. But like more big picture, like how you imagine living. Right. Or how you want, like your goal of how, how you'd like to be living. One of my major focuses is to have a, a to try to cultivate a body that I enjoy living in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's like being healthy, essentially. My future, I envision myself being as healthy as possible and, and making decisions that positively affect the way I feel physically so that I can get the most enjoyment out of my experiences. We're inside of our own bodies and our own minds. Trapped and so, inside, mm-hmm. so we right. have to make it the best. <clears throat> make it as nice of a place as we can. I also envision my future involving the outdoors, definitely, both for recreation and potentially for uh, making money. And uh, I think that could look a variety of ways. As you guys know, soon it's going to look like me uh, I'm moving out to a, a ski resort town and uh, we'll be working a minimum wage job and living in a extended stay hotel room. He's and- out there. <laughs> you do be out there. <laughs> and um, it just I'm excited about the prospect of, t- of a type of uh, routine that involves uh, being outside most of the day mm-hmm. and wearing myself out uh, physically. Just to where you'd never want to snowboard again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my shoulder hurts, my hip hurts. <laughs> How many days do you think you're going to working versus snowboarding? Like four to three or like five to two? Or Here's the beauty of it. My job goes from 6 a.m. until 1 p.m. Nice. Four or five days a week. Mm. And so I will have two or three days off completely. But um, even on the days that I work, you I'll still have, have a lot of days. still have the mm-hmm. afternoon pow session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tear it up. So you kind of see yourself like moving around, at least for the near future. You could get addicted to the powder season and all of a sudden just start hopping around different resorts. I think that you guys are touching on a huge part of, I guess, what I'm going for in in that what excites me in my day-to-day is interactions that challenge me and have potential consequences for what could happen next for me. So Mm -hmm. it it just is a thrilling way to be where you enter into any conversation from a place of uh, who, who knows where this can go, right? Yeah. Open-mindedness. And and so, yeah, I, I certainly, I, I don't have a concrete plan after, after this seasonal Which job is, kind is of up. Point. And, and that's, uh, yeah, that's not entirely unintentional. So yeah. it's, uh, I think, part of the whole thing. I try to keep my planner as open and my schedule as clear as possible. You're just crossing off different states to live in just like six months at a time. <laughs> right? I think... I feel very fortunate that this worked out in, in the sense that it probably is not easy to find a job and a housing uh, situation in a lot of these snowboarding, skiing resort towns that you can afford to live yeah. on the uh, minimal pay. Mm-hmm. And you don't see yourself having kids in the future. That's a tough question. That's the big one. <laughs> That's the big one. <laughs> we went from like a six months out job talk to like, yeah but isn't it funny because you guys are 27 that's not like super young and we feel so so young like to have kids your first reaction is like oh my god we're way that's like way in the future but the average boomer was having seven kids by 19 was it Every single person in the silent generation that like could walk and talk was having children by the age of 22 yeah that was the average age was 22 to have kids. That's, and now you guys are 27. We That's, blew past that. Yeah, and, <laughs> but we just feel so young. I didn't spend a lot of time in my upbringing and adolescence leading up to now thinking about envisioning my future uh, involving kids. Yeah. And so then it kind of feels like I wasn't really planning on it and now I'm trying to live each day in the moment. And so I wasn't, it wasn't still part of the plan. I'm still right not planning. <laughs> uh, but uh, that never comes up in the day-to-day thought process. Right. And, What's and, up with my kids? 
what would I name them? That would be the, that's the, that's the real issue. I have no idea. (laughs) But like when you just ask them later on what they want their name to be. (laughs) 17. Oh wait, shit. I forgot to give you a name. You don't have a name yet, by the way. Happy birthday. You're six. (laughs) What's your name? (laughs) They do that sometimes like in history. And I think even currently they let you name yourself or they wait until you're a certain age to where you like show your personality and then they name you based on that. And they just call you like Moonflower or something like that. No, I mean like <laughs> you know, when they call you right away, just like Boy. How do you how are you addressed when you <laughs> Boy hey, number seventeen? Baby number hundred and forty six, year two thousand twenty one. You're making me wonder if I would buy where you confronted with the opportunity to name myself would i change my current name i thought about this before i think joe you definitely would have to change your name because i don't think my first name or my last name both and the middle name definitely the middle definitely (laughs) last (laughs) the first one i don't know i think yeah ian's a nice name but it's more like a sound isn't it it's just like a mix of vowels but i feel like if i use that the first name and then i can make the middle and the last name totally different ian hunt (laughs) <laughs> yeah when it comes down to it everything is just sound i think you have the perfect name wow and we told you about that billionaire that got busted with the name joe hunt and they made I a movie about him i think that that's the if you google joe hunt that is the name that there that is that person that comes up first yeah. this might be a mug shot or something what what is it what happened there it was like in the 80s it was kind of like a wolf of wall street thing he kind of unwittingly or at least that's how the movie shows it was running a like ponzi scheme which is kind of like where they invest people's money and then they use the new money that they get to pay the people you know it's kind of like a spinning cycle right that's no good yeah i don't envision my future uh involving uh, trying to rip people off and he is still in prison yikes and he kind of got like uh, ripped off by his partner and his partner is still on the lamb or like they don't know they he's technically dead but they think he might have faked his death we should cover that guy in the next fugitive segment <laughs> Whoa. he's been spotted several times since then people got guts to go out like that i know in tahiti or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah take a ski resort in norway hopefully nobody sees me <laughs> Grow a mustache. <laughs> Do you think that you'd ever travel like this extendedly in international? That you'd stay for like six months or something and try to work? Or do you think it'd just be too much of a hassle? I think that it would be really difficult for me to go that far away from all of my peeps. Because you mm-hmm. still like come up here a lot. You live in St. Louis right now, but you come up here a lot and visit like friends and family. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a huge priority of mine to make time for that. Oh, it would have to be something really, really uh, exciting. Yeah, uh, that would. It's not something you would like far. seek out. Probably, it's just more like if you found an opportunity, you'd maybe do it. Right, or if if it felt super fulfilling or something. There's something. Uh, I you know I've I've looked into the Peace Corps and the option of the. Potentially teaching teaching English abroad and things mm-hmm. like that, but Peace Corps. I mean, if you have a degree and you can find a way to like apply one of your skills. Oh. Are you like a doctor or like what skills do you have? You're so <laughs> number cruncher skills. <laughs> yeah, I have a. I, have I, I run a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Ponzi background in <laughs> and <schemes>. prison escaping <laughs> disguises. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the other thing too that plays into this too is, is like the decision to to go to college and whether or not that's something that is smart for everyone or was actually a good idea for me. I yeah. did I did go, and luckily you and had a fun time. It was awesome. I met yeah. some of my greatest friends in the world, and I I learned so much about myself, and I I learned how much I loved music and performance, and th- those things kind of. Uh, guided me to uh, where you are now where I am now and so then the wanting to seek out my hobbies and interests with more of my day-to-day time mm-hmm. but isn't uh, it interesting like when you were 18 or any of us it was kind of like college is the path 
I did feel like that to a to a degree. I, I think a lot of that was I, I don't. It felt like I was putting that pressure on myself. Honestly, do you um, feel misled about college? Perhaps because I feel hmm. like what I was sold versus what I got, which I like what I got. It was expensive, all things considered. Luckily, we haven't had to pay it for the last year and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was those two things were vastly different experiences. I think he kind of means that when you're in high school, you think or you're kind of told that you just go to college and once you have that degree, you'll get a job and like all your problems mm-hmm. will be solved. Like you'll have plenty of money. You won't have to worry. The college degree is like the golden ticket. And life's just going to be good and easy. And- yeah. And then like when Ian graduated, he unfortunately got a degree with a job that pays like 40 grand a year is like what they start out on. His degree was kind of like siloed into only one job. And it's like, wait, <laughs> like I, and then you end up in that type of job and you're like, wait, this is like forever then? Like I just, I'm supposed to stay at this job and. Yeah. Working for certain places does not mean you have like upward mobility. Yeah. It's just, you're getting like that raise unless you. You're getting a 2% raise, which is less than inflation. Mm-hmm. That's what your degree qualifies you for is that one job. And it's up to you then to now switch careers or, you know, whatever you have to do to try to get in a better position. But and our generation has bad job placement out of college even. So True. you're lucky to get a job. Right. You know, right. I think Ian's brother applied to like hundreds of jobs, literally There's more than 200 jobs. There. Wow. And I those jobs to... weren't like paying super well that he was yeah. applying to. But I, th- I think with one one thing to touch on with the college too is that I, I I just think that at that time at the time that we were graduating high school and deciding whether or not to go to college I I was not in a position to accurately look myself in the eyes and say here's what I want to major in here's yeah. what I want to be do for a career and, and there's so much confidence in like and... instilled into eighteen year olds. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to know. <laughs> yeah. Like we ask them, like, what do you want to do? And then they give an answer and it's like, oh, yeah, great. And then they're like, oh, perfect. Like, you know, I uh-huh. said the right answer and this is good. And you just kind of roll with it. And it's not really based on much. I think for, for uh, yeah, for me, it was, I guess, mostly based on, you know, hearing about like job placement is bad, um, mm-hmm. especially even before we were uh, thinking about going to college with the Great Recession and everything. And, when I was deciding on a major or uh, something to study, I was just basically going for something that was difficult so that I, I thought and I something would be, like highly applicable, like right, right. Yeah. Something that would, that it would a show here. I did this difficult, have this hard to obtain degree or something yeah. and that'll be able to improve my placement. I, Which was yeah. finance. It uh, was econ economics. Yeah. Uh, I started out as, as a math major. For whatever reason, I had some plans to try to become an actuary for my first two years at uh, university. And I think it was because I, when I was touring the college uh, uh, that I went to, I met uh, with an advisor in that department and he was an awesome person and I still am in touch with him to this day and but I couldn't hang with that subject. <laughs> Switched over to something slightly less hard. <laughs> so after learning all about econ, what's your conclusion? Like, is it socialism <laughs> the best or is it capitalism? Or... Oh, boy. <laughs> These are the questions. You have to ask a PhD there. <laughs> I, uh, I'm the kooky lefty socialist type. Yeah. yeah. You're the crazy one that thinks everybody should have their needs met. Yeah, it's terrible, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, it works. How could that work? Outlandish. <laughs> if people are happy, why would they work? <laughs> <laughs> they got that right. <laughs> um, do you know any other people? Do you feel like there's a shifting trend of people you know that are either vagabond lifestyle or van dwellers? Or do you think that that's something that you see more because of what you're doing? Like, do you think it's, like, a generational shift, like, totally? And, like, I wonder if it'll continue, you know? Like, it'll just amplify with future generations. I hope so. I think we kind of need, like, a cultural overhaul. Right. It's We don't need so much space. 
to live as we as we might think. Mm-hmm. So that's one part of it, I think. And another thing too is that it's it's pretty stressful to try to figure out the logistics of a of a normal, I suppose, quote normal, traditional uh, like American life. In reality, the the American dream is hard to obtain. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it, it causes a lot of stress, and it uh, it's almost you, by default that I'm doing what I'm doing yeah. in a way. You know, it's I I couldn't hang with it anymore, and yeah. so I started looking at what what are some other options, and and I had some a very close friend of mine, Alex, who is definitely a big influence on me in this area as far as uh, grabbing hold of an adventurous thought and a, and a opportunity and and trying trying new things it's interesting because two and a half years ago we were at this very cabin with you i remember sitting out on the deck and it was april but it was like really sunny so we were out there in like shorts and i remember you saying that you were thinking about quitting your job and like working at prater joe's or something or aldi aldi was one of your ideas the socialist grocery store yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then the next time we saw you, you you did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It happened. Yeah, I mean, stuck it, w- it to the man. It, it wasn't. What a- did you tell him when you said to just eat my butt? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> I am out of here. No, I I, I foolishly sl- gave them a month's notice and you put a pie they in their worked face? me into the ground <laughs> in the last <laughs> month. Life out of <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I left. I left. I think crawling out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Shit out of here to get the fuck out. <laughs> They're like. Holding you by your tie, around <laughs> Stay. Crawling away. <laughs> we need, need more work from you. <laughs> but it's interesting how we, we kind of always think that what's happening now is just going to continue into the future and like catch speed. But in the 60s and 70s, it, there was like obviously a hippie insurgence and it obviously subsided or reverted afterward. It was like a cultural correction after the the hippie era almost i mean i think it had lasting changes obviously and now we're in like a hippie revival well yeah i think mm. she said like the hippie era was extremely you know a huge hippie movement almost too too much too quick and then just then too it, much acid yeah <laughs> everybody just tripped too much balls and it swung back a little too hard against it yeah it died down a little too much and now we're trying to you know hit that cruising speed again People on our generation are like, wait, people are actually living like that? And why did we stop? <laughs> and that's another thing is we can see, I mean, I, I've watched a lot of uh, van dwellers, for example, or people living uh, alternative lifestyles uh, just post about it on the internet. And we can watch and learn about how people do it. And- yeah, there's more of a cultural interconnectivity of feeling like supported by a community, even though like a person might not know anybody that's living alternatively, they can feel like reassured by the online community and get ideas and get support and not feel like they're like the crazy one in town that's doing something different. I think that definitely impeded things in the past because it's pretty hard to be the only vegan in town when mm. you don't know any, you know, or something like that. But when you are connected online and you see that there's millions of people doing it, it makes you have confidence in your choices. Right. And I feel, I do feel like I am quite fortunate in how much support I received from my relatives and friends in the, in the period where I was considering quitting my job and pursuing other things. And I was certainly looking for people's advice around that time. And I love listening to particularly the advice of like my grandparents and, and other people in that, you know, just anyone really, anyone older, because uh, I've always found that stuff starts to make sense that people used to say uh, when they were the age that we are now. Because mm. they have more perspective and can look back. Right. And a lot of them are, are right about <laughs> most of what they say because they've lived it and they're, they're where they are. Now and then it's you learn from people who are older about the things that they end up valuing most um, later in life. And then I kind of wondered to myself, well, why is there a way that I can live now and try to value those things the same way instead of looking waiting, back and being like, oh, I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So no regrets. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I, I have a hard time imagining that I'll regret, you know, f- taking a leap of faith, moving somewhere new, far away to mm-hmm. pursue a sort of just a, a more r- relaxing pace of, of life or will, will I ever regret time that I spend uh, up late at night with talking with my brother or something. Mm-hmm. And, or podcasting. Or podcasting and then... Mm-hmm. And then not feeling my best in the morning for, I don't know. I never yeah. was good at, I would burn the candle at both ends when I was working full time uh, in, in finance. And it came to the point where I just was, uh, yeah, burnt out basically. And I think burnout's just huge in our generation, yeah. um, at least in my experience. And I think there's always been dissatisfaction, like with the status quo for thousands of years uh, that we've been in like societies. But I think people are starting to question it more and be like, I'm frustrated and what can we do about it? You know, instead of just having to accept it. Hmm. It's like empowering to have options. Yeah, we get back what we put out. And if we are like wanting to do a certain bit, change the way we are or have, a, you know, try different things, um, it's just it's just so much it's a freeing thing to sort of look at. I think I was talking about this earlier, right? Talk, like thinking about interactions that we have with people as potential clues almost to what we could possibly be doing with our own path mm-hmm. or lack thereof. <laughs> Thank you for being our second guest. A privilege it was. Thank you for being our friend. <laughs> right? That's what life's all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these guys made the greatest black bean burgers from scratch tonight. And chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> it's been a treat to be up here. And we had fig tapenade for appetizer. That was really good. Sometimes referred to as tape nade. <laughs> tape nade. It's all vegetables when it comes down to it. Yeah. When you really boil it down, we just had different vegetables arranged in different <laughs> ways for dinner. Yeah. Just, you know... Keep an open mind and remember that everything is just a vegetable. We appreciate having a guest like Joe because Joe is such a wonderful, kind, cute, cute and cute. adventurous, dynamic human being who is always a joy to spend time with. I just hope that no one listening um, trusts anything that I say. <laughs> Trust your own selves would be my message, maybe. You've got it all within you. You know what you want. You know. saying trust the gut. Trust the gut. Get a small gut and then trust it. Right. Take care of your gut <laughs> and then trust <laughs> it. Probiotics. <laughs> get the right fuel. And thanks for coming to visit us too. Mm-hmm. We've been doing pretty good on our seeing each other every six months packed. That's uh, in big part uh, due to the consistency of our phone calls mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. call your friends it's call good your friends. yeah it's important to check up on your buds answer your friends calls mm-hmm. don't just silence them every single time like we normally do no, <laughs> <laughs> and try to leave voicemails when you feel up to mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. everyone loves that it takes me a long time to get into my voicemail and so only certain people when i see a voicemail come through i'm like mm, this is worth it Ian has a dinosaur phone, so he has to like message from seven one five four nine, and then it'll be message like, sent on nine twenty two, and then it says the time, and then it says duration forty six <laughs> seconds. <laughs> and then we'll get a message from Joe, and it'll be like duration four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> It just cuts me off. <laughs> right in the middle of something good. <laughs> if you'd like to re-record your message. <laughs> High quality voicemails. It's an art. So Len update. We took her for like a couple mile hike today and she just ran the whole time. No problem. And she's been so sleepy ever since. She's been so nice. She's just been lounging. She's cuddling with grandma right now for the whole time we've been podcasting. <laughs> lounging and eating and pooping any last messages you want to uh get out into the world any messages or predictions or anything you want on the record anything you want on the record (laughs) 
Yeah, I think one thing that I would like to say is that you don't need to have things figured out before you start trying new things and, and doing, uh, making changes in your life. Um, it's part of being human to uh, make mistakes along the way and just keep on following your adventurous spirit because it keeps you the most alive and uh, free as you can as you can be. We're just here so, to live, right? We better do it. I love it. Predictions? Well I don't have any predictions. No predictions. No. Maybe a uh, uh, maybe seven hundred inches of snow in Jackson, Wyoming. Mm, How that's about a good that prediction. prediction. I like that prediction. <laughs> All right. Well, in twenty years, if something crazy happens and you say, "I knew that was going to happen," we're going to be like, "No, you didn't." Mm-mm. I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Do you think it's going to be like the human race is going to be extinct in like a hundred years? Or do you think we're like edging toward a utopia? Because it seems like we're converging on like both of those at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We're going to probably figure it out right at the last minute, right? Save ourselves in the nick of time. Yeah. It'll be like a MacGruber episode, I think, where we're like, okay, everything's going well. And then, <laughs> everything blows up. <laughs> How many years until we all have electric self-driving cars? Like how long until regular cars are outlawed? They'd be too dangerous. And we're all just in automated cars or like public transport or whatever it is. I'd say no cars by 2150. 2150? 2150, so not in our lifetime? Mm-mm. I think it'll be a lot sooner than we'd think. I think it'll be like within 20 years. Oh, that'd be fast. Yeah. Look at how much has changed over the last 20 years. Like the internet was just getting started. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, people love their cars though. But I think people would be driving cars for fun. Like, you know how people still have like horse and buggy is like fun pastime, you know, that you, you pay money and you do it. But people aren't like out in a horse and buggy, like still going to work. You know, they gave it up for the better option. <laughs> I've seen some people out there doing that still. I think they got the right idea. <laughs> Let's go back to horse and buggy. Forget this whole electric car thing. That's creepy. Yeah, but then horses like have it. to be kept as workers. That's a good point. So that's a drawback. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We should make robots do our work, not horses. Mm-hmm. Robot being the car. Right. Or we could get the cars shaped like horses. So you're riding hmm. like the car, which is kind of just a motorcycle. That's not going to happen until like at least 2250. (laughs) Tesla Trojan horse. (laughs) I think Elon is a big listener of this podcast, so I'm guessing he'll steal that idea. (laughs) 